I think with the younger kids, the most important part is just going out and enjoying it. I mean, if think about Usain Bolt. I mean, he runs, he puts food on his table and pays his rent, but he loves running. And so I think you really, as a parent of these children or a coach, that's really what you want to nurture. Hey, it's your host, Brittany, and welcome to the Mom Sweat Sanity Podcast, where we talk all things life, health, fitness, kids, relationships, you name it, nothing is off the table. A little bit of just me and a whole lot of knowledgeable guests. So throw on your Lulus to run or to mom, grab yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, and join us as we unpack life's pressing topics and learn a little bit more of the who, what, whys of it all. Or at the very least, get real, share some wisdom, and grab practical tips to help in our daily lives. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in today. Today, I had the honor of speaking with Michelle Newton. Michelle is the owner and founder of Momentum Sport. She is a mental performance coach here in North Vancouver. Michelle helps train all level athletes, including top level athletes, both locally and internationally. By working with Michelle as a mental coach, she will help advance you and your mental game so that you can reward yourself with measurable improvements in your performance. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I know an athlete that has never had any race nerves, nerves in general, or shy away from a sport because it was a little bit too scary. Think about yourself from childhood through to now, through to whatever age you are, through to the children that you're raising. I think that if everyone had a mental coach or more awareness in their mindset when it comes to sport, we would all succeed that much more. Tune in today. Such a great conversation. Let's get into you and all that you do. And I'm really excited to learn about Momentum Sports and yourself and how you got into it. So maybe you can just give me a little bio of who you are and what you're all about. Sure. Well, thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. One of my favorite topics, mindset. So I'm a performance coach in North Vancouver, and I've been working with a bunch of the university teams, high school teams, and then individual athletes, actually internationally. So you got to love Zoom for that. I'm an athlete myself, a bit of a junkie. I competed in mountain bike stage racing and ultra marathons, triathlon, downhill ski racing, coached for probably 20 plus years, and recently taken up kite surfing, which is a blast. I love it. Good for you. Yeah. And I'm a mother of three exceptional kids. Yeah. That I'm very proud of. So that's, that's me. Amazing. A busy woman, a busy mama, (laughs) a busy adventurous. (laughs) And so in your endeavors and, and your sport and, and all of that, where in the mix did momentum sport come to be? Yeah, that's a good question. As a teenager, I played competitive tennis and I had a terrible mindset. I ended up quitting the sport because of it. And then that sort of terrible mindset followed me into my alpine ski racing where I had such persistent performance anxiety. And, you know, where I would just get physically, I would just feel sick before a race. And I would tend to underperform during those pressured situations. And then moving into my adulthood, I got into mountain bike stage racing in a big way. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to let that past or that history just sort of 
play into my current situation because when I got into the stage racing, I'd started having kids and so on. And I love mountain biking. And I just didn't want my mindset to hijack my ability to just love the sport. And I knew how important it was to just have a solid grounding between my ears so that I could go out and perform my best, but more importantly, just have a good time and enjoy it while I was out there. So I think that, you know, a lot of just because of my history and the suffering I endured because of a weak head game really piqued my interest in all of this. And then as a 30-year-old, I got into triathlons and I'd, I'd had this injury where I had compartment syndrome and I was unable to run for almost four years leading up to this triathlon. And I was really competitive. I wanted to do well. And I thought, well, how could I make up for my deficiencies in my physical like lack of preparedness in the run? And I taught myself how to do imagery. And so I just did visualization for about two weeks leading up to the event. And this event was actually on the World Cup circuit. So it was a pretty formidable event in Ontario. And interestingly, when I arrived on the start line, I wasn't nervous. I felt pretty confident. I wasn't worried about my legs and my injury and that sort of thing. And I ran the race of my life. I ended up actually setting the record that day, which had never been broken. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And not that I was some stellar triathlete. I mean, I had a great day that day, but I think I really, it was that visualization that I did that set me myself up for success. And then I was like, okay, this stuff really, really works. I want to get into it in a deeper way. And then I applied for this sports psychology mentorship program through the States. I got accepted. And then I just hit the ground running. Rest is history. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I have so many questions within there. And <laughs> but so fascinating. Now, going back to then you're saying like you felt these different feelings stem in childhood. Do you think most youth or most kids kind of experience that, you know, the nerves, the anxieties through sport when they're really trying to level up, it forced you to quit tennis. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of something that you see many, many kids that are trying to get to that high performance level really kind of, I don't know, fade out at just too stressed by it? Yeah, I actually had an email today from a parent of a child who's dealing with exactly what you just said. So yeah, it happens. And I think in our society, we are very much of the mindset win and results and outcome. And you want that in the back of your mind. Sure, we all want to win. We want to just be on that podium. But we don't want that to govern our performance on game day. We want that to sort of be our guidance for setting up our goals and our training programs and our mental training. But on game day, we want to think just in the present moment as much as possible and basically just focus on process or performance. And when an athlete focuses on their performance, it's something that they have full control over and they don't have control necessarily of their results. They can impact those results, but they can control how well rested they are, how they show up on game day, what their attitude's like. And that. I think diminishes pressure. When we want to freak a kid out or an athlete out, we talk about winning. Mm -hmm. You know, Coach Wooden, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but 
He's this iconic American coach, Hall of Famer. He coached UCLA basketball and college ball for, I think, 35 years. He's no longer with us, but he's the most winningest coach in American history. I think in his career, he won about 82% of his games. And when they interview a lot of these former NBA players, they collectively agree that he never talked about winning and he only talked about performance, only process. So, you know, he's got a good track record. So I figure I'm just going to follow up with that. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I've just noticed even from myself enjoying athletics since, since through my childhood and beyond back then it was like, we would do something a few days a week. And now it feels like if you need to be exceptional in that certain sport that they're trying to really like zone into kids by age 10, that they are doing this sport, like five, six, and seven times a week. And there is no thought for the mental side of it. And mm-hmm. I think that that is such a huge area that we're all amiss to. And we hear of mindset being spoken of more and more these days, but definitely still not prevalent and especially in sport. And I really wish to see that this is more of a conversation that just blends into, you know, regular society and that we see this within sport everywhere from a young age and beyond. I couldn't agree more. And I think coaches have a lot on their plate. You know, they're about strategy, gameplay, tactics, and you put it, ask them to do mindset as well. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. For one person to manage. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to be more than just, yeah, just that one outlet. I think that when we're adding days to our kids' schedules, that it has to be seeing you at Momentum or having other people at play that actually have those proper tools and tactics to help everyone out and find a better mental health and mental balance. Absolutely. I think, I think with the younger kids, the most important part is just going out and enjoying it. I mean, if you think about Usain Bolt, I mean, he runs, Mm -hmm. he puts food on his table and pays his rent, but he loves running. And so I think you really, as a parent of these children or a coach, that's really what you want to nurture Come 13, 14 years of age, this is when things can go a little bit sideways in between the ears of some of these kids because they're getting all sorts of mixed messaging on social media. It's just this competitive win at all cost is just an insidious part of our our culture in Mm -hmm. Canada. And if we could just keep the focus on giving her, showing up, staying a little longer for practice, be prepared put in the effort, all of that. I think those are the things we should focus on. And those are the things that are completely within the athlete's control. And they Mm -hmm. don't add pressure to an already pressured situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you say that through your experience, your personal experience, that's what led you towards going down this mental training path and momentum sport. So did you have someone in your field that helped kind of lead you there or teach you these visualization tools through your youth? Not at all. Really? Not, no, there was just none of that was just never spoken about. No, Mm. I was, I was sort of on my own. And I realized that like I was losing the love of my sports. I keep coming back to this, but at the end of the day, I think if we play from love and joy, we're going to play a lot better. And there's going to be a lot less stress. And 
there's already so much in this world that these kids are contending with. And I mean, take what sport has to offer. I think, I think sport is a metaphor for life. What's going on on the tennis court or on the ski hill or on the basketball court, it's happening in, in these athletes' personal lives too. It's just happening at a, at a faster pace. So there's opportunities there for growth and development and just learning through those challenges that it's just a perfect ripe environment for personal growth is mm -hmm. on the, you know, soccer pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see that there's more of an openness and willingness and eagerness of athletes coming your way looking for the mindset coaching? <laughs> yeah. It's funny because today I was skiing, as we were talking about earlier, I was on the lift in Whistler and I, I rode the chair with these four women from Massachusetts and they say, well, what are you doing that you can take the day off work today? And, and I told them about my mindset coaching practice and their first reaction was cool, cool. So yes, I think we're on an uptick. I think there's a lot more openness to this and especially with um, mental health challenges that people, this is really talked about today. So yes, I believe there is an openness to that. Calling oneself a sports psychology coach can be a little bit off-putting to people because they look at psychology as possibly we're broken. My angle is performance and mindset, and we're not broken. We're just wanting to be better. And it's changing that narrative. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be such a negative connotation all the time. I think that we have to look at asking for help as a tool, as training, as how can we be better and perform better? Definitely. You know, you hear a lot now about mindfulness training. I think that's really gaining momentum in our society. And, and that is all about mindset. And then you have your transformational coaches that are really open to this. Not all coaches are open to it. But I think that's also changing in a positive way. What I find with athletes, often when things are going swimmingly, <laughs> when they're going really well, they may not think of a, someone like myself. But when they're having breakdowns in the, within their sport or their personal lives, then that's when they tend to call, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is fine, as long as they're picking up the phone and getting there somehow. Absolutely. Doesn't matter how. Do you find, yeah. you said you were on the chairlift with the four women and they say, cool. Do you find that there's uh, more heavily weighted towards female than males or are you fairly even keel across the board? Do you think that there's, you know, one sex that seems to be a bit more open to the mindset training? What would you think? Yes. <laughs> but which sex do you think would be more open? I feel that females would be a bit more open. Okay, so that's exactly what I thought too. Yeah. And I would say 75% of my clients are male. <gasps> that surprises me, but I'm very happy to hear that, to be totally honest. <laughs> I know. Wow. That's crazy. I don't get it. I don't I don't understand it. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder if now I'm generalizing and I could get myself into trouble, but I wonder if men are more competitive and they're just they're just going for those wins at an earlier age at a, in a deeper level. I'm not sure. It's interesting, the dynamic. I've worked with many women's teams and I've worked with many men's teams. And with the men, they can be just ruthless. Like, let's just win and take these guys out at all costs. Whereas sometimes you find with women, they don't want to hurt the feeling of their competition. They don't want to drive too hard because they don't want to upset that 
balance, it's interesting. So I have to nudge the women a little bit harder and say, listen, you want to bring your best performance forward so that it allows that opponent to bring their best performance forward. You're actually doing them a favor by performing at your best because you're elevating the game. It's it, There's no hard feelings here, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's just about playing our best. And uh, once we have those conversations, they can rally pretty hard. There's enough room for all of us to perform. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're all performers in our own right. And sure, some are performing at the Olympic level and some are performing at the community level. And we all, at the end of the day, we don't want to do our best, right? So we want to lift ourselves up to the highest possible order. And I don't think it matters what level you're at. What matters is your commitment to having a strong head game. Mm-hmm. And so those are the people that I really like to work with. That like challenge is real. Challenge is it's in our lives. It's not going away. And as the stakes get higher, the challenges get greater. And that's awesome. And the suffering is optional. So where we get into suffering is the stories we tell ourselves around the competition, that inner dialogue, that inner narrative. And that's what I like to deal with with athletes so that that suffering can just sort of quiet down. I had a swimmer who in the fall set a Canadian record and it was awesome. I was so happy for her, but I was happiest because when she originally came to me, we really worked a lot on nerves, performance, anxiety, that sort of thing. And hers was off the chart. And when she called me after that result, I said, okay, well, what? On a scale of one to 10, what were your nerves like? She said a four. And to me, that is a win. Wow. Because that means this kid is going to stay in the sport, right? Yeah. And continue on this journey. So that's where I like to focus my attention. And we can choose a perspective that empowers us, or we can inadvertently choose that perspective that cuts us off at the knees. And I think. It's a default. It's a human condition. I think we're fundamentally flawed to look at those anxiety-provoking situations, those fears, those insecurities, and really focus and dwell on them as opposed to focusing on the opportunities, the possibilities. Sometimes we win. Sometimes we learn. Okay, we didn't make it on the podium this time. Are we taking the learning from that situation and applying it and, and not wasting it? Mm-hmm. Or are we crawling under a rock and feeling sorry for ourselves? No, yeah. we don't want to do that, right? We want to just go, okay, this is where I messed up. It's not going to happen again. I'm going to take a really hard and critical look at this because, Brittany, I don't think we learn when things are going well, when things are easy, when we're winning, which is great. I mean, we love it when things go well, but let's not miss the opportunities when things don't go as planned because that's where the learning and the insight and the reflection comes from. I couldn't agree more. It's the journey. It's the process. It's, it's not that finish line, even it's Mm. how you get there and, and how you feel afterwards. And I think we're so often caught up in, you know, in our comfort zones and not wanting to push out. And in a lot of that, we're also not learning about our true self and who we are and asking those hard questions. And it sounds like being able to actually show our own face to ourselves and ask those questions is where we'll actually start to 
hit those pools without all the nerves and, and everything and really be able to show ourselves a bit mm-hmm. more of ourselves. Well said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's about getting curious with your triggers too. You know, those upsets mm-hmm. and they're a window. You can open that door and go, okay, I don't have a cookie cutter program for anybody because we are unique. And one of the first things I do is just find out what, what is you want in your life? What is you want to achieve? What's holding you back? And I usually run a TASE assessment on most athletes. And basically it's like, you know what Myers-Briggs is or a DISC profile? It's that, but in the realm of sports psychology. And it's great because it allows us to get into and see the problem very quickly and not waste a lot of time, you know, talking. Belief systems is something that I usually spend a session on, just uncovering what are those belief systems. We all have them. And it's the lens through which we view the world. And it can really hijack things big time. So getting really clear on what are those belief systems and let's just turn those on their butt and create belief systems that are actually going to give us some power, you know, at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. Yeah. So basically when I I take that TASE assessment, I do an interview. That first session is let's create some actionable items so that the athlete walks out the door with something that they can put into practice right now and then. I'm not into talking so much as much as getting into action and let's facilitate change. And then I'm there as an accountability partner, you know, like you're given some pre-work and some post-work and it's not usually involving sitting down at a desk and writing. It's about incorporating some of these ideas and concepts into your daily life so that they become second nature. Mm -hmm. You know, for instance, present focus is critical to performance. If you're not in the present moment, if you're not actually right here, right now, there's there's just no way you're going to perform at your best. And so a lot of athletes nowadays struggle with being in the present moment for obvious reasons as they're completely distracted by social media, Mm. their devices, that sort of thing. So, okay, from now on, when you're having your breakfast or your cup of coffee in the morning, I want you to savor that. Really pay attention when you're having a conversation with your good pal, be in the present moment, really hear what they're saying, really seek to understand what's going on because we are distracted. Mm-hmm. And so the, I just give them little, little sound bites of things that they can do just in their day to day, which will carry over into practice, training, competition, that sort of thing. Amazing. I 100% agree with you that we are just a, such a distracted society. Oh yeah. <laughs> and watching you know watching my kids, my own kids being this way and you know just attached to their screens just trying to find what those healthy boundaries are. It is a whole mental task and monkey see monkey do. So the more that we're doing, the more that we can't be hypocritical and tell them to get off of those things if we're not yeah. doing it ourselves. But the minute that you're able to do that and actually have conversations like this or be present, I mean, mm-hmm. all the things that you're missing out on plate right now, do you have, are you still competing? Do you still push your, I'm sure you still push your kite surfing. <laughs> you're yes. learning to do a whole new sport. So I'm sure yeah. you still push, push your boundaries. You know, the biggest challenges with it is it's daunting. Like, 
things can go sideways real fast, kiting on the beach, launching and landing. When you're out on the water, it's fine. But when I was learning, that's where I could take a lot of what I do in work and apply it to this because it would be so easy to scare yourself so much with this sport and just quit, you know, and just go, this isn't worth the risk. And I really had to just train myself to just stop that brain, that worrying brain, and just listen to my coach and go, okay, you know what? They know what they're doing. They got my back. I'm putting my trust in this person. And I'm just saying to my brain, shut up right now. (laughs) And it got me through. And now I love it. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. What a great plug for the mental training side of that, for sure. Just walking yourself through it and telling telling you that you can and that you are. Yeah. The mind, we need to distract it, right? Because it's got these little channels, like little rivers. You know, if you just think about tributaries, it just, they have their habitual ways of reacting, thinking the way we behave. And it's about intercepting those little pathways and going, no, no, I'm not doing that right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to choose in this moment to focus on this. It's like, I think about being in the back seat of a teenage driver, you know, you're in the back seat of the car. That's when your mind is ruling you. How do we get ourselves into the driver's seat? Oh, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> a few more years. <laughs> Good luck with that one. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for taking some time for me. I really enjoyed our conversation, but more importantly too, where can everyone find you if they would like to work with you and learn a little bit more? Well, thank you for asking. So my website is momentumsport.ca and then they could email me at momentumsportcoaching at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I had such a great conversation with Michelle and I hope that you enjoyed listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it. See you next week. You can find me on Instagram at momsweatsam.com.